Welcome to another edition of Bite Mark Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And first up, we're going to have George Yarbrough here to tell us about the launch of Impact Hub Honolulu. And then Stacy Clayton from Kamehameha Schools and Ian Kitajima from Oceanet are here to tell us about a new coding system for non-coders called Altino. But first off, we do want to welcome George Yarbrough here to tell us about the launch of the Impact Hub Honolulu. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you for having me on, guys. Well, you sure. know, I think the last time we had you on, you were talking about Proto Hub, which is the, I guess, proto of... Uh, <laughs> the, proto- proto- the prototype, of, of, yeah. yeah. prototype of Impact. So what has been the, 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 the path that you have now taken that has now resulted in the launch of Impact Hub? My roller coaster path? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's been ups and downs for sure, but it's been rewarding nonetheless. So prototype of the Impact Hub um, was back in 2014 and 2015. That was ProtoHub. Now mm-hmm. we are officially part of the global network, mm-hmm. which is great, right? So there's 102 Impact Hubs around the world. So what we are is a co-working office and event space that is designed to facilitate sustainable impact through collaboration and empowering communities. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we have 14,000 square feet down in the middle of Ward slash Kaka'ako area. And we'll be opening up on August 1st. And right now we're building out pretty cool spaces and awesome event spaces and the co-working and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, all that good stuff. From what I understand, I mean, you are coming straight down here after, like, working with concrete and mm-hmm. lumber and all of that stuff. And 14,000 square feet is not insignificant. The Proto Hub was about 5,000 square feet a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was like you said, it was a prototype. It was a learning opportunity. Some of those ups and downs of the roller coaster. Coaster. What are some of the lessons learned from that prototype experience that you can now be proud of folding into Impact Hub Honolulu? You know, the biggest thing that we learned was that um, Hawaii does need office and workspace. And if, if you go to all the uh, the like Starbucks and the, the coffee shops downtown, they're full with people who are trying to have meetings and trying to work. And, and do all that kind of stuff. And it's hard if you're a small business because you can't pay for office space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You need, but you want some creative space where you can sit down, you can work with your teammate, your colleague. Maybe you can do some networking. You can have your, your, um, your lunch that, in the kitchen or something like that. And that's what we provide. And so what we found out was like, man, Hawaii really does need this. And, and we're trying to, and now, now you have, you know, a few co-working spaces now. And I think that our biggest obstacle now is that fact that like Hawaii doesn't really know that co-working exists or what it is. And so we're trying to bring it to here. Now, you know, there, you mentioned that there are some other co-working spaces. That I, I guess we would love to mention, you know, Block Box Jelly, and then there's the uh, Rock over on, uh, on Hotel Street mm-hmm. in downtown Honolulu. And co-work, yeah, it's coming up. And from an inventory standpoint, I mean, do you have a sense as to what the capacity is for co-working space? And in terms of now the entry of, of Impact Hub coming into the market, are you getting closer to what that capacity might be, or is it still a, a big, wide-open opportunity? I really do think it's wide open, Bert. And, and the reason is because it's not just for small businesses. It's for freelancers and artists as well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you think about all the people who um, either are digital nomads who also who can work here but don't realize that they can. So, for example, a digital nomad is someone who travels around the world and just works out of their laptop. And so why not live out of Hawaii and have this cool co-working space and maybe we can have something lined up where there's Airbnb or something like that. And so that 
bring all that talent, bring all of that um, expertise and mentorship here. And we had that at ProtoHub. We had people coming in from D.C. because they were like, you know what, I'll, I'll come work at, at mm-hmm. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And now they end up, uh, they're mentors for some of the small businesses and small startups here. And that was cool. Of course, um, I've read a couple of really interesting articles on co-working lately on the plus side that, you know, millennials are really into it and, you know, it kind of fits their work style. But on the other hand, that a lot of co-working spaces are moving into more conventional office rental kind of lease operations. Um, when you are looking for people to come and participate in Pack Honolulu, it's not just about the space or maybe renting a meeting room and a presentation room, but you also do events. There's programming there. Can you tell us about some of your events that you have planned? Great. Thanks for that segue. Yeah, we, we definitely do uh, have events. And so that's why our, our space is so big. So um, Impact Hub isn't just about – all Impact Hubs aren't just about office space and co-working, Right. We, we kind of eat up that profit because we want a bigger space that we can actually build community. That's what we're about. We want to hold space for community. And so right now we actually have a crowdfunding campaign for our um, the commons is what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. And we just launched it yesterday. And you can find it at Impact Hub Honolulu at Indiegogo. And so the idea is we're building out a space in the middle of, of Impact Hub that can be used for micro nonprofits, for, for small community um, groups who can't necessarily afford to pay for event space usually. And so the idea is that this crowdfunding cam- um, uh, campaign will be the community supporting those. And so we'll create scholarships for these um, nonprofits, small nonprofits and small groups who can apply. And that way it's the community supporting the, these, you know, the community, essentially. We also have the, our Palhana, our pop-up Palhana at 7 p.m. at um, um, Beerworks. And we'll have live art by Kelly Patrick. We'll also have the Angel Hackathon, which is a global hackathon um, to commit your code, 29th, 30th of July. It's If you want uh, free tickets, go to our Facebook page, Impact Hub Honolulu. And then also we'll have the most likely to succeed screening um, ah, at yes. Hawaii. Yeah, in Hawaii um, on the 27th of July, which is awesome. Be cool. That movie is, movie is getting around quite a bit. Yeah. Josh is doing a really good job of Josh pushing Rippen, that. Yeah. 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 And, of course, if I if – I, get my act together, maybe Unconference will be happening at the uh, Impact Hub as well. I'm waiting. Later, <laughs> later on in maybe October. Waiting, bro. Yeah, I'm yeah, waiting. yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> what are some of the amenities that um, users or I would say members of, of uh, Impact Hub, Hub Honolulu would have? I mean, I work with a startup. We're using an alumni space over at Blue Startups, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of these little companies and entrepreneurs who kind of want to have a place to call home. What would you say are your shining examples of amenities. Yeah, so blazing Wi-Fi. Blazing Wi-Fi. Blazing was hot, super (laughs) hot, Ryan. Uh, We got the kitchen, so we'll have free uh, free coffee. Um, You have different spaces to work out of, so you have designated desks if you really want your own space, or you can work out some beanbag chairs, work out of beanbag chairs. Standing desks? Uh, Standing desks. We actually Ah. have standing desks as well. Um, Just We also have a cafe that we're bringing someone in, and um, just a, a lot variety of space, right? And also what the coolest thing about um, co-working is the serendipitous networking, right? So you're working at your desk, so to speak, and, and then next to you, you meet someone and all of a sudden you have an idea that, you know, that person can help you out because maybe they're a photographer or maybe they're, um, they can build your website for your small business that you want to build. And all of a sudden you guys are a team. And so that's the beauty of that, that networking. Mm-hmm. Now, George, you folks were able to get a grant and aid to help you kind of kickstart the whole Impact Hub implementation. I mean, how is that working out? And, and how were you, I guess, obviously, you were successful at getting the, legislator to, the legislators to, you know, sort of uh, fund this. 
um, what is your give back to them? I mean, what is your what is your show of how this is going to be successful? Yeah. Um, so I just want to say thank you to everyone who did support us um, with that grant and aid push. And that was not this past ledge season, but the season before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just kind of gives evidence into um, how successful the idea of building community here is in Hawaii and what we need it, you know, and the fact that we do need it, right? So for the innovation community and for the startup community. Um, so what, how we're going to give back is we're, we're going to be doing this this community space, this, this common space that we're, I'm telling you about. Um, we're, we are going to be doing other scholarships for events for, for um, let's say, Surfrider Foundation as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they can apply for a scholarship, and so that we'll be able to, to pay for them. Um, and and basically, that GIA is giving us our ramp up. So co-working spaces, especially ones that have a larger space that is kind of used for building community, have a ramp up period of usually about two years. And that's kind of through the literature. So that GIA is helping mm-hmm. us through that ramp up period, mm-hmm. paying for our operating costs and kind of like keeping us afloat so that once we do hit that critical point mm-hmm. where we can actually pay um, our, the costs of the, associated with the space, mm-hmm. then we're good. But that thank you to the to the state and everyone who supported us because it wouldn't be possible without them. Oh, yeah. So, I George, uh, you have that Indiegogo campaign to help support your programming, but uh, you've got a big launch coming up. What is that date, and where can someone go <laughs> to find more information on Impact Hub Honolulu? Yep, you go to impacthubhnl.com. Find us at 1050 Queen Street, and if you really want to know more, George at impacthubhnl.com is my email. Very good. George, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Stacy Clayton from Kamehameha Schools and Ian Kitajima from Oceanit. We'll talk about Altino. So don't go away. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. To have ongoing access to some of the best conversations on the planet, you know, very exciting to, to have a statewide conversation on an ongoing basis. I love hearing what's going on on, on the other islands. You know, it's not, it's not an interruption to my day to hear what's going on. I'm Dwayne Preble, and I'm a sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Joining us now, Stacy Clayton and Ian Kitajima. Stacy is the Executive Strategy Consultant in the Kamehameha Schools Strategy and Innovation Division. And at Oceanet, Ian is described as a technology Sherpa and a design thinking advocate. As a trustee for the Public School Foundation of Hawaii, it looks like his job description is Director of Troublemaking. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ex- <clears throat> we're gonna explore that much more in detail. Mm-hmm. And of course, is there such a growing? <clears throat> there is such a growing interest in in teaching how how to code to teachers, and we're going to get into the the details of how you can learn about doing that with this Altino. But we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank Mahalo you for having oh, us. Welcome. Thank you. Now you know, um, Ian, this uh, director of uh, troublemaking. You know that that is a concern of mine, and, and we've had him <laughs> on this show a number of times. Uh, in fact, uh, I think you know, he's running neck and neck with Melly James. Yeah, in terms of the you number know, of appearances. No, he was on episode is. number one I almost know, nine years got ago. A sh- name on the chair for him over here. But uh, <laughs> so, Ian, you know, you are uh, well, still are a big design thinking advocate, and and have been very much uh, at the tip of the spear for moving that initiative forward. 
how did the how did you get involved with this Altino coding methodology? And now sure. that seems to have taken over sort of like that 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 key initiative that you're spearheading. Well, well, design thinking is still super important. Okay. In fact, the the boot camp, our seventh annual design thinking Hawaii boot camp, is going on right now. We just completed day two. Oh. Uh-huh. But the the story behind the coding thing started um, actually many years ago because we started doing work in Korea about four years ago, mm-hmm. and our partners in Korea uh, learned very quickly that we're very involved with education and design thinking. And so last year, they told me a really interesting thing. They said, "Hey." Um, in 2018, in South Korea, the entire country will make coding mandatory in school. So from K through 12, you will have coding as a mandatory class. Just like how you have math every year, you will have coding every year. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, that's totally amazing. Like, what is that? When you start teaching kids this kind of logic and critical thinking and problem-solving skills, as well as creativity, like, what is that going to do for the entire country of these young people? But my next question was, well, how are you guys doing that? Like, how do you actually roll out a program like that uh, country, the entire country, mm-hmm. they said, well, the trick is that we have to develop systems. And one of these systems is this system called Altino. And we're using it to teach teachers. And I thought, ah, that's brilliant. Because uh, here in the state of Hawaii, uh, a DOE elementary school teacher will reach about 20 students every year. A middle and high school teacher will reach over 100 students. And so just through the teacher, a regular everyday classroom teacher, be it a social studies teacher or English teacher, you can actually reach hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of students without having to make coding mandatory in the schools. So literally what we're doing is training these teachers to feel confident enough, not to like make them into coders, but get them to the point where they feel confident enough and developing curriculum. So, so actually right now we're in the middle of a Castle Kahuku Complex training where these teachers are earning three credits, professional development credits, but in, the, but in order to earn the credit, they have to t- show evidence that they're teaching in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the major things that we really focused on was not just teaching the teachers, but getting the Altino curriculum accredited by the DOE so teachers can actually get professional development credits when they take the six-day course that we put on. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I definitely want to hear from Stacy very soon about how Kamehameha Schools fits into that picture and how they came to connect with Oceanit and this Altino system. But for the nerds like me, I all I know is when I Google <coughs> Altino, I see a little robot car, and that's really, really cool. So, Ian, what is that Altino system specifically in terms of what how you help a teacher understand what that tool is? So the thing that was interesting is, for me, was, was this car. Uh, because, you know, when people are saying, well, when you teach coding, you don't need a – you can just do it all virtually. You can just do it online. You don't need a piece of hardware. But I think what I've seen as we've been teaching this, and we've done already three cohorts, three or four cohorts now, is that a physical object like a very sophisticated sensor-leading car, which this Altino car is, when you're able to code it online but then actually – have it downloaded into the car and actually see this thing light up and actually do something. And actually what's amazing about this car is that at the end of even 40 hours of training for the teachers, they learn how to code this car to drive autonomously. So if you think of like the Google autonomous car, that's what actually these teachers and students eventually code is to make this car drive autonomously because there's all these sensors. But when you see a physical object light up, something happens that does not happen when it's just purely virtual and you see a car drive around a screen. It makes it so tangible and so exciting to see this thing. It's very empowering. Mm. And and that's what the interesting thing. And within the first hour, we're having the teacher's code. You just see all that fear. Like, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. All of a sudden, that goes away, and you feel empowered. Like, oh, my gosh, I can do this. 
So it's actually <clears throat> kind of taking a little bit of the lessons learned from robotics and having yes. kids who actually get hands-on, yeah. you know, doing things to control their robot to actually now, you know, in this case, control the car. Now, Stacy, you know, we've known Ian for a long time. He's a, he's definitely like a rogue agent. And, you know, for him to be going <laughs> out there and trying to, you know, initiate all these programs, how has he attracted a, a legitimate bona fide organization like Kamehameha School to get involved <laughs> with this thing called Altino? <laughs> You know that that's a great question. We we ask ourselves that every day. Oh man! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We love working with Ian uh, and and Oceanet, and you know it's it's actually the perfect partnership. If you think about what we're trying to accomplish at Kamehameha Schools mm-hmm. with our strategic plan, we want to make sure that our students are well prepared for jobs now, but jobs of the future. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know what that future, mm-hmm. what future employment will look like. But we want to make sure that our students, um, and that when I talk students, I'm talking about Native Hawaiian learners across the state, that they have the, the mindsets, the dispositions, the skills, and the knowledge um, to really be competitive um, on, on a global scale. And we see coding as really one of those uh, foundational or, or fundamental you know, you talk about um, it's, it's definitely skills and knowledge, but it really is about mindsets mm-hmm. and yeah. and um, that creativity and um, and kind of finding sort of the the blend of the, the logic and and um, and th- this creative mindset. So we think it's a, it's a perfect partnership. It's it's providing um, learners across the state um, with the with the training through teachers. Um, it's the widest reach um, that we're going to be able to get in terms of coding in all the classrooms. You know, Kamehameha, we have our own campuses, mm-hmm. and um, we do a, a fine job of, of educating our, our kids on our campuses. But we know many of our Native Hawaiian learners are in our public schools, our private and uh, charter schools. And so we want to make sure that um, through the Altino training and, and really offering it to the widest audience um, through the teacher base that we can get Altino in, in all the classrooms. How have um, have you folks worked together to get those teachers into the class? Because I know you can get the commitment school teachers in the class. You know, you're part of the public school foundation. You can maybe get some of the public schools. But there's much, you know, it's, there's a lot of work in getting sure. the right to- teachers in the class. How do you, how do you go about doing that? I don't do, know if it's that? the right teachers. I think it's just, just teachers. We, yeah. Because part of it is is breaking down, you know, the perception that you have to be the right teacher, mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. have to have a certain skill set or knowledge base. Or yeah, exactly. Teacher. What we want to do is is encourage the teacher who may have not even thought about how coding could be incorporated into history or mm. into an English class. So um, I, I, think, yeah. I think that's really the approach for us as all teachers. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, the, 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 the goal is how do you touch 99% of the students out there? That's always the, been the challenge in so many, so many impactful programs that, that are out there. Unfortunately, they only get to a very small percentage of students. So when we heard about how the Koreans were teaching this to teachers, I thought, oh, man, that's how we're going to get this to every student. And the, and, the, and, the, and the goal is not to make every student a coder. Don't get me wrong. It's to give every student the opportunity to be exposed to something like this that is is really a 21st century skill 
I mean, if you thought about just the mindset that Stacy mentioned, that is what actually people get caught up sometimes. It goes, Ian, you know, like, like, why are you teaching coding to kids? I mean, but, it's, but I'm telling you, I'm not really teaching coding to the kids. What I'm teaching them or what we're trying to give them is an exposure, an opportunity to be exposed to critical thinking and problem solving. That's what we're trying to give them. Computational Computational thinking. thinking. Right, but also creativity. That's one of the, to me, one of the insights in learning coding and doing this program was that it's extremely creative. There are many, many ways to make that car do the same thing. Well, you know, I want to talk more about how, you know, this is actually being, <clears throat> I guess, the impact that it's having on teachers once they finish the workshop and go back into the classroom. I want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Stacy Clayton and Ian Kitajima about Altino. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Akahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Hawaii Pacific University, and Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Stacy Clayton and Ian Kitajima about Altino, a coding system for non-coders and a program to teach teachers to teach coding. Good idea. Now, of course, right before the break, we were talking about, you know, in terms of the teachers going back into the classroom. And in the in the course of going back into the classroom, you know, there um, I, I want to bring up this this uh, bill that was actually introduced this past session, mm-hmm. and it was a bill to try to get all the schools to embrace computer programming as part of the curriculum. Is that a way to get teachers to teach coding, Stacy? Yeah, I, I would like to say that's definitely one avenue for sure. But and is that a, is that too much of a hammer to force people to do something? Perhaps you know, I mean, you listen to Ian's example about Korea. I mean, I, th- I think if Hawaii really wants to think about diversifying our economy and um, and really providing the the workforce of tomorrow, mm-hmm. we're going to have to make some big bold moves. And I think um, I think that was Senator Dela Cruz's. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Bill, and I, I think it's a great idea. Again, I, I think that's that's one definite way of doing it. I think Altino is um, is another approach. And is perhaps the combination of, of both of those kinds of things what will be needed in order to succeed at this, Ian? Sure, yeah. I think it's actually a, it's actually a combination of, of things uh, from potentially policy issues, but I think part of it is so much it's grassroots, right? I mean, the the, the thing that we, we did with Kamehameha Schools early on in early December was was kind of a test, right? We, mm-hmm. if if people weren't <clears throat> going to, if people couldn't see this as something they could do, and they couldn't be inspired by it, or they, they weren't going to be excited about it, it wouldn't matter if we set a policy at some level. I felt it felt like if if we had to, if we could take the everyday classroom teacher and take them through six days of training, and at the end of the six days, were they going to be excited? Or were they going to just be absolutely confused and hating it? And it really were there. There was inspired. They were inspired and empowered. And that's in my mind was the 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 really the trigger that said, okay, this could really work because the key is the teacher and their excitement. Because even if the students want to learn coding, but the teacher doesn't feel confident right, to do right. it, they'll never do it. You know. No. So so that was really key. 
Stacy, you know, Kamehameha Schools obviously has a wide, a huge and diverse portfolio of things that they handle in terms of curriculum and, and training uh, students to be ready for the future. And we mentioned earlier there's programs like robotics, certainly uh, school farms and learning about agriculture and sustainability, something that I'm interested in. Um, how does the Altino Empowered Teacher fit into that broader picture of all of these new ways to teach project-based learning, basically, to students? Is it, is it uh, all part of the same family? I, I think so. I, I think part of um, introducing Altino and coding into um, onto our campuses, into our classrooms, is really giving um, our students a greater perspective of where technology fits. Because technology doesn't just have a standalone as a computer science major or pathway or, or a job, but you're really seeing ag tech, right? You're, you're seeing it in hospitality tech or health tech. And so being able to um, integrate coding in, in sort of this multidisciplinary way or interdisciplinary way really starts broadening out um, the career choices for our, our kids. And so it, it's definitely a plus for us. And as Kamehameha Schools, we have a ways to go, too. So, you know, we're encouraging our teachers to come out, you know, from all content areas to participate in the training. Again, is really trying to demystify what coding mm-hmm. is all about so that, again, it becomes more of the mainstream, the commonplace, um, and just very foundational for everything that we're, we're teaching. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of uh, the teachers that are going through the program? I know it's kind of early for this, but uh, are you seeing evidence of them Mm. taking what they're learning as part of the workshop and now incorporating it into their classroom? Well, already um, the Vahi on the Big Island, which is a Native Hawaiian charter school, they're Somebody mentioned that they're kind of like the punahou of Native Hawaiian charter schools. They're like very, very excellent in in the work they do. They've actually uh, two of two of their teachers actually came for the. They were part of the first cohort, and this summer they actually uh, started a summer a summer program teaching mm. coding to to students. Um, August Orange uh, Elementary School, which is in the Waipahu complex area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually uh, started a, a summer program as well already. So they don't need Altino to continue the the you know perpetuation of. They actually don't need to, but I think part of what what we find is once uh, teachers will come and we say you know you don't need a Altino car. Kamehameha Schools actually has provided. Uh, cars for training when we do the training. Mm-hmm. So what actually happens is the teachers go through the training and then they realize, you know what, this is really amazing. And then they actually go back to their schools and actually request cars to be at their schools. Mm-hmm. And so they basically order cars to do that. Um, the The thing that's going on right now is the Castle Kahuku Complex Training. And that's the first professional development accredited uh, trainings that we're doing right now. So mm. those teachers... By the nature of taking that accredited class, if they're taking it for credit, they must demonstrate in the classroom that they actually been teaching this in order to get the full credit. If um, you're an educator at a public school, a DOE, you talked about that uh, approval and that accreditation process. What is the, the, the gateway? What is the pathway to say, hey, I'm a teacher, I'm a social study teacher, but I always was curious about coding and help my, helping my students think computationally. How do I get involved? How do I play with an Altino car? Yeah, so I, this has been um, a total grassroots effort. <laughs> totally. Facebook. Facebook. Instagram. Yeah, emails to Ryan and Bert. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sure, you know, share this thing because, you know, part of it is, is I think through our networks and mm-hmm. through professional networks, we've been sending this out. So I'm surprised many, many teachers uh, have been aware of it. I think the the bigger challenge for the, actually for many teachers in taking this is the start date. 
and that there's actually six sessions. So if you miss a session, it's really hard, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to miss, you know, the fourth session. So that actually is is what kind of is a barrier for mm-hmm. people is that start date and one of the days maybe they can't make it. So um, I think the word is starting to get out. We're going to do better at, I think, um, marketing uh future trainings and a lot of it's been grassroots so it's really Ryan's is really excited about coding and he's a teacher and he knows Bert who's another teacher and we basically help you put to co- put together a cohort mm-hmm. that then we then go find resources to actually make that class happen and you know one of the things we keep talking <clears throat> about teachers but actually we have others that join mm-hmm. us yeah. you know for the training so we've had legislators you know join us we've had <laughs> students and, yep. and community <clears throat> organizations because you know coding yes we want it in the classroom but coding can happen on the weekends, you know, through a community organization or as an after-school program. And so for us, you know, again, reach is so important because mm-hmm. we, we want to make sure that as, as many opportunities are Do we available. have a quick link that we can refer people to, to maybe sign up? Um, I think one of the best ways is you could go to, we have a, a Facebook page. It's uh, Altino. I think, if you, I think it's like Altino Hawaii or something well, on we'll Facebook. We'll put the link on Yeah, we'll put it up. Notes. And I know, I know there's an event right that I can put up. Yeah. Well, Stacey Clayton is the executive strategy consultant over at Kamehameha Schools. And of course, Ian Kitajim, a good friend of ours. He's the chief innovator over at Oceanet. We want to thank you both for joining us today. Mahalo thank you for having us. Thank and thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about using drones to discover endangered plants. And of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org or of course you can also download the HPR mobile app and if you have any comments or questions you can email us at feedback at bitemarks.org and of course you can find us on Twitter I'm at bitemarks you can follow me at Hawaii our engineer is David Chong and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich and of course we want you to stay safe and we will see you back here next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe